episode 27. If you're new to podcasts, there's a simple way to get our latest episodes delivered straight to your mobile device. For iOS, just click on the purple podcast icon. For Android, click on the play music icon. Then search for Telltale Fisherman, hit subscribe, and get ready to enjoy the most epic fishing adventures in the world. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Dan Butler. Dan, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's going great, and uh, uh, we're really glad you're on the show here today. And I understand you're more or less a a neighbor of mine here from the Central Florida area, correct? Yep, that was a surprise, but yep, um, just here, uh, living north of Orlando, but moved a little bit closer um, to the Maitland area, so not too far away. Cool. And so, but you are not a Florida native, I understand. Uh, you are from from Texas, is that right? Yes, um, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Um, and the funny thing is, back then I fished a little bit, but not too much. And then played football and basketball. Went to school in Iowa, of all places. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and that's where, yep, yep. That's where I picked up a lot of my fishing and started doing. Um, a couple of different things there and um, picked up bass fishing there pretty heavy. Okay. Is, is that, did, did you go to University of Iowa or another school or? No, I went to um, St. Ambrose University. St. Ambrose. It's a okay. um, private school in Davenport, Iowa. Cool. Um, it's pretty cool school. Um, it's kind of like almost like a, a giant high school that you live on campus, but. It's pretty cool that it was small. So yeah, and a lot of and I I like that kind of thing. You had a lot of camaraderie, and you get to know folks really well, and have good friends from there still. I'm sure. Yep, um, a lot of people. That's where I actually met my girlfriend. That she moved down here with Florida with me, so I can't oh, complain. Well, there you go. And uh, now, was she from there? Uh, well, she. Um, the majority of that school is. Um, from the Chicagoland area. Okay. I say about 40, 50% of my schools from that area. So it's only like two hours away from Chicago. Right. So, okay. Um, he's from like south suburbs of Chicago. Hopefully uh, moving to Florida wasn't uh, too much of a culture shock for. That weather gets it, but I'm used to it. Well, you, you know, we a lot of people say no alligators, no mosquitoes, and, and no heat. And, and we check all three of those boxes here. So... <laughs> Yeah, that is true. So, well, let's talk about that fishing that you did up there a little bit. So you, so you had maybe a little bit. Was it bass experience or saltwater you had from Houston? Um, from Houston, I kind of did a little bit of both, but it definitely was more um, freshwater. Okay. Um, but when you're up in that uh, Midwest area where I went to college, it got the Mississippi River there, so you're fishing yeah. chocolate milk. So it's completely different. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you had to adjust from that. Absolutely. Yeah. So is, is that where you did most of your fishing on the Mississippi and a lot of the tributaries and lakes and things off of that? Yep. Um, that's basically where we got started. Um, just fun fishing um, with friends and things like that. But once I wanted to start the um, St. O- St. Ambrose bass fishing team, um, we got to go all over the country with that, with FLW and um, Bassmaster. So that is where it opened a lot of doors once we started the team. Wow, that's pretty cool. So you started the team. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, how did you 
get that rolling and you know what was involved in getting the team up and running yeah um so with that I, um at that time before the team actually started i always had the idea because i fished a lot and i loved it mm-hmm. um but at the time i was a basketball basketball and a football player at st ambrose mm-hmm. and i got an injury and i was just like nah, i'm just gonna go fish instead <laughs> <laughs> so kind of my last couple years there um i put basketball aside and football aside in the summer before the team started, mm-hmm. um, I actually went and emailed every fishing company you can think of that I actually use their products and can would want to endorse them. So I wasn't just looking for just any old body. Right, right. Just to have a sponsor. So um, once that started, um, one came in and then I told them how to help them sell product because nobody's going to just give you stuff if you're not going to help them out. So right, right. Once I got that going... I spent a good two, three months just calling, emailing people, um, seeing who I needed to get in contact with, whether it be LinkedIn or messaging the company on Facebook or anything you can think of just to get in contact and tell them that this college fishing thing is going to get big. And that was before right. the before it was really big. So basically, mm-hmm. I started that in 2010. Yeah. Um, oh, and wow. it was getting big. It was getting big, but it wasn't what it is now. I was going to say, you can turn on the you know World Fishing Network and, and see college bass tournaments now. Yeah, and the funny thing is, Jordan Lee is a guy who I fished against in college. He used to kick our butts, but <laughs> <laughs> he, now he won the Bassmaster class. You can see more young guys that I fished with back then. They're doing really good on the Elite Tour, so the young guys are doing pretty good. So, yeah, that must have been pretty cool getting that up and, and started. So what, what happened when the team got rolling? How, you know, when you first got up and started fishing tournaments, I mean, was it was it extra tough? I mean, did, was there a huge learning curve? You know, how did how did that work? Yeah, so um, our first tournament, um, I know that it was kind of tough. The first thing um, was actually getting boats. So we tried to go mm. out to dealers and let us see if they let us rent a boat, but they don't want college kids running their boats and things like that. <laughs> I but, wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably think it's for a party barge or something like that. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, we actually lucked into two guys that their dads actually had boats. So mm-hmm. you figure with a lot of guys that like to fish, somebody in their family will have a boat, and we got lucked into yeah. two guys that were really good fishermen. Oh, good. Um, and we got to use their boats. So my partner, his name's Kyle Gates. His dad is a avid fisherman as well and fishes some of the Bash Nation events and things like that. Okay. Um, so he let us use his boat, and we went out on our first tournament. Um, I can't remember where that one was, but I know in our first couple of tournaments, it was a little tough, but we knew that we can do it um, if we just kind of just were on the same page. We just had to put a plan with two fish people in the boat. You got to be on the same page and want to do the same thing and know what to do. Um, right. But after our first year, we actually made the national championship for the FLW. Really? Wow. Yeah, and it was pretty cool that our first year we did that, and we almost we could have won a tournament, but it was really close. I lost, I lost like one fish that could have put us over the top, but the next oh, year after wow. that as well. Yeah, it was tough, but we made it to the national championship, so I couldn't complain. Well, it sounds like you had a great deal of success just in a, in a short amount of time. Yeah, first two years got to do um, two different national championships, Bass and FLW. Wow, well that's fantastic! What great experience that is. 
Yep, it was definitely well worth all the hard work. Well, I'd like to have you tell us just a little bit about fishing up there. You were talking about fishing, uh, you know, on the Mississippi. and Yep, so a lot of times um, where I was in, down in basically southeast Iowa, mm-hmm. um, it's it's tough there. But um, a lot of our tournaments, they let you lock in up north where the water gets a little bit clearer. Um, okay. Going up towards the... Dubuque going towards um, kind of Wisconsin area, if you can get up there. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of those places up there, they have a ton of fish, and there's some big ones, and they're easier to catch. Um, oh, okay. But what basically would do is if there's current, you'll find fish like on the breaks of wood, um, wood jams, things like that. A jig is your best friend in a square bill. So on mm. the Mississippi, we've only actually – the funny thing is we – even though we're there locally, we only had one or two or two tournaments, um, two tournaments in that area. Most of mm-hmm. them, the rest of them were in um, southeast. You did lake stuff, too, then? Yeah, we definitely did lake stuff. We went, uh, one of our first tournaments was Gunnersville down in Alabama. Oh, yeah, um, I've heard of been, that. Yep, Lake Lanier. We've been down in south um, Illinois in Shelbyville where I caught big bass there. Eight, uh, it was like seven pound, I think three ounce, uh, four oh, ounce wow. bass. Yep, Very and nice. That, actually, that was the, actually the first year that that fish with like 30 minutes left put us into um, the national championship. So that was oh, pretty wow. cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what, what do you notice uh, different fishing here in Florida now from your experience in, in those other places? Yeah, it is 100% completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Same Um, animal, whole different uh, ball game. Yeah, these bass down here are finicky, and there's grass everywhere, Mm -hmm. no matter what lake you go to. You can't fish grass, you can't fish in Florida. So, um, (laughs) I was just going to ask, what's your favorite lure to use now? um, Down here, 100% is either, it's kind of a tie, it's a 10 inch power worm. Mm-hmm. Or um, I like using chatterbaits a lot, and I catch uh, big fish on those. Okay, I've just started using a chatterbait myself recently. Yeah, no matter where I've been in Florida, I've, if there's fish over grass or when they move up shallow, and you can fish it deep sometimes, that's mm-hmm. where you're catching big ones. Well, when we get back, Dan is going to tell us an epic freshwater fishing story. Stay tuned. If you park your boat on an incline. You have to be careful to make sure it stays where you drop it. A wheel ring chalk for wheeled trailer jacks is a big help. They're inexpensive and they make sure that the wheel stays on a block if you elevate the jack. I use it with my boat all the time. And if you want to check it out, go to tell.fish slash gear in your browser. We have a link to it there. All right, we are back with Dan Butler. And in the first half of the interview, we were talking about some of his uh, freshwater fishing experience. And I understand today you're going to tell us an epic freshwater fishing story as well, correct? Yes, definitely will. This is um, right around the time where my um, I was visiting my girlfriend's family in Illinois. Okay. And it's pretty good. Day. Cool. So what happened? Yep. So on that day, I like um, I wasn't familiar with the area. So one of the first things I always do when I'm in a new area, I just go to Google Earth, try to look at some, see if there's some ponds, see if there's a um, any piers on those little bodies of water, mm-hmm. things like that. So I found a little pond um, back in a new um, suburban area, 
Um, so what I did was drove over there, saw some fish busting, things like that. This was probably, I would say, not a very big pond, but it was um, it was kind of in between calling it a pond and a lake, you know, when you're just like, is this a lake or is this a pond? <laughs> <laughs> right. But it had, I knew it was big enough to hold some big fish and a lot of fish. And you'd never been here before? You'd never seen this pond before? No. Nope, never okay. been there before, but um, I knew there were fish there when I, you just look up at one of the park signs and they tell you what species and everything in there, so I knew I was at the right spot. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was, um, it was around springtime, um, back when I was actually at a place where we had different seasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, those don't exist here. Yeah, they don't exist. You get you get a little hot, you get warm, hot, and really hot here. <laughs> I think that's that's a very good description of uh, Florida. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I um, it was about I think a March. Um, no, there was actually April, and I think the ice had been off the ponds for about two weeks or so. One a lot of times my favorite bait back in that time of weather um, when the ice just breaks. Water's still cold, but the fish are starting to move up. I use a um, rattle trap a lot. So ah, okay, yeah, yep. I was um throwing that thing around for a good fifteen minutes in one area. Moved to another. First fish I hook up with is about a good six pounder. Oh, nice! I it was definitely a pretty big fish. I crank it two times, it flies off, and my rattle trap goes flying past my head and almost hit me. And that's all I was really worried about. Oh yeah, that'll wake you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that, I was just really worried about that. Um, but after I realized, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's some big fish in here. So even though I lost it, I knew there was opportunity to catch a lot of fish and some big ones, too. Um, yeah. So next pass after that, two and a half or three pounder, set the hook, comes wow. off. Huh. That day, yeah, that day I was just like, what is going on? Is it my hooks? Am I not letting them eat it? Am I taking it away from them? What's going on? So I just really, I had a... The same exact bait, same color. I just switched it out just because I was felt like something was wrong with that bait. I need to switch right, it right. out. Right, And um, after that, I caught a, probably about 12 fish within 30 minutes, all of them between like two and a half and four pounds. It was just one after another, after another and another. And I was just like, and um, it was funny. He had, had a guy in his backyard cutting his grass. Um, I don't know why he was cutting it because ice was literally gone like, probably a month before that. <laughs> it was all just brown. I don't know how they do it in the Midwest, but some of these guys keep their grass green as soon as the ice is gone. But <laughs> but he wow. was cutting his grass. He was like, I never knew that there were that many fish in there. And I was like, I didn't either. It's my first time being here. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I, I just wanted to keep going and keep going and try to catch a couple more fish. So uh-huh. um, it, getting late in the day, I was there for a while. Um, girlfriend's family wanted to go out and eat and everything like that. So I was like, okay, I'll fish for like 10 more minutes and then I'll go ahead and leave. So, mm-hmm. you know, with a rattle, a lipless crankbait, it can get hung up on just about anything. And if you have any wood or you might get jammed in a rock or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to make one more cast, but your one more cast turns into five more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, famous last words from a fisherman, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so after my fifth last cast, um, actually being my last cast, hook set the hook. I thought it was a big fish. Then it didn't move. So I was like, oh, I'm stuck on a log or something like that. I spent about um, 
20 seconds or so, 20, 30 seconds, trying to pop it out. And I start pulling mm-hmm. it, and it starts moving. And Uh-oh. when I tell you it felt like an 18-wheeler was on the end of my line, <laughs> I couldn't stop it for anything. Um, it made a good, about a good, I, I say about a good minute run into the lake. Um, oh, my goodness. So uh, the first thing I think, I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be my biggest bass I've ever caught. And then yeah. as it's just digging and digging and digging, I'm like, this is no way this is a bass. I was going to say, if this is a Florida story, I'd think there's about to be an alligator ending. But uh, <laughs> I'm thinking not not in Illinois. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I don't want any of those toothy critters. <laughs> uh, but when it was just, it was digging for about a good five minutes. I'm like, what could be in this lake that's this big? So the only thing I was thinking, it was probably just a big Asian carp or something like that. I probably snagged or because those guys yeah, get yeah. really big. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So after about a good 20 minutes, I have like a little mini crowd around me. And you were supposed to have left 20 minutes ago for dinner, of course. Yes, that's how it works out. Uh, I was like, I am <laughs> of not course, yeah. with this fish. I had to take my time with that one just because with the rod, I had a spinning rod on that one just because you can launch a rattle trap pretty far with those. Um, yeah. And it was only eight pound um, fluorocarbon. Oh, okay. I had to make sure, adjusting my drag, make sure I had enough tension on it, but not too much to break the line. Um, after that, after about, I say about another 10 minutes, so about 30 minutes total, um, there's a couple kids, their parents, they're like, what do you have on? We've never seen a fish this big that could be in this um, pond. And got it up after all that time, got my vocal grips. It's like a 45, 48-pound flathead catfish. <laughs> oh my goodness yes wow. on a rattle trap in its mouth and it ate it a 45 pound cat or 48 pound um catfish and <laughs> this way you can see this thing it was massive um, oh yeah no everybody loved to see that yeah so it was just the craziest thing because i was like i don't know what this could be and nobody would ever think a fish that big could be in a pond and after I pulled it out, yeah. I could barely lift it with my um, vulgar grips that I had just to see how much it weighed. Mm-hmm. So I, know, I had to get another guy. I had to um, get another guy to help me just to hold the thing up for two seconds to see how much it weighed. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, you know I've actually heard of people catching uh, catfish on rattle traps before. Um, have Have you ever done that before or since? Well, I definitely have. Like with maybe a pound or two catfish but not 48 okay. i've never had a big one eat it. no no um, yeah that's very rare coming yeah. across something like that um oh yeah gosh no you would think something like that would only eat a big chunk of dead bait or something never you know going after just a little tiny bait fish like a you know rattle trap wow yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy, and it was awesome to catch. It was my forearms were killing me after all that time, just holding <laughs> it, like holding it, just letting it pull out all my line. Good thing I mm-hmm. had a fresh respooled line. I mean, a fresh respooled reel at that time, so that's a good thing. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. Funny thing after that is that the neighborhood lake, the um, DNR, and everything like that. They put me in the newspaper. I was like on the local news and everything like that. So it was just really funny. I looked into a fish like that. That is amazing. So I, I just have one more question for you. Have you been back to that pond fishing? 
I actually have, and um, I've been back to there, and they call it Hot Dog Lake. It's not the real name of it. You can catch actual largemouth bass on pieces of hot dog, and they eat it. And it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. But I went back there and tried it and caught a three-pounder as well. So definitely, um, it's a unique lake with a lot of different fish, and I had fun that day. Yeah, and, and it gave you uh, one of your most epic days of fishing ever. Yeah, that was definitely one of the most um, epic fishing days, especially after that long fight. Oh, man. Well, n- now now you want to m- make me go tie on a rattle trap and uh, go try and catch a catfish. I bet that was just a <laughs> ton of fun. Yeah, that was a ton of fun, but you'll probably be wasting a lot of time trying to duplicate that. <laughs> well, that's true too. That's I don't I don't know of a lot of places around here where we are where there's a big forty five pound catfish waiting on us. So, um, but but if you find one fishing around here now that now that you're my neighbor, let me know because <laughs> I'll go try too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely find a spot and we can go on fishing. Heck yeah. All right. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you being on today. Thanks so much for sharing that story with us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Here at the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, we are looking to record the most epic fishing stories from around the planet. If you are listening to us from outside the U.S., we would love to have you share an epic fishing adventure from your country. Go to www.tell.fish slash guest to sign up to be on the show today. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.